Welcome to Aim for Truth Radio. I'm your host, Thomas Paine. Today, I'm with Michael McKibben of Leader Technologies, and he has a discovery that has our conclave spinning their heads. As a matter of fact, he's tried to explain it to all of us a few times, and it's a little bit complicated. So we're going to go over this, and we're going to talk about something that basically invalidates or at least puts in perspective the entire Mueller special investigation. So welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks for having me, Thomas. It is our pleasure. We are always so happy to talk with you because um, we like being in the room with smart people, and you're one of the smartest people we know. So what you've discovered is just ridiculous. There used to be a law that Congress passed, because that's what laws are supposed to do. You know, Congress is supposed to have some kind of purview of the whole thing. And so there used to be a law for creating this special counsel or these uh, independent uh, investigators who work for the Department of Justice, which nobody seems to understand at all. But what you have pointed out is that at a certain point, Janet Reno didn't continue the law, but turned it into a regulation and now the special counsel is like a kangaroo court. They can right. It's used to protect the elite. They can do whatever they want with grand jury, ridiculous, uh, unbelievable powers that they have. What can you tell us about the Mueller investigation that can shed light on why it is that it is going this way? Well, you and I are both old enough to remember the Watergate hearings. And all of these issues... By the way, everything that our researchers came up with is in the Federal Register. It's all public information, and it is absolutely shocking. But uh, the, the, the history of these special councils really goes back to when Richard Nixon was firing his special counsels and hiring others, and there was this obvious conflicts of in- conflict of interest between the president and the attorney general. So Congress passed a law called the Independent Counsel Law, basically, that's, it's not exactly that name. But uh, ever since 1978, we've had an independent counsel law for the last 40 years. And I didn't ever pay any attention to it because I I believed and in, in, in trusted that our government was watching over these issues and that they would use these laws appropriately and uh, never paid any attention to it. And so we put our researchers on digging into this law to see what's going on here because we were catching wind from people out on the internet that the law had expired and that there was no law for special counsel and it was quite confusing. So our researchers just took the time, dug into it, and I'll have to tell you, Douglas, what we've discovered is absolutely shocking, scandalous, offensive to anyone who loves America. Because what we now see is that a group of attorneys at the Department of Justice and the FBI and at the White House back in um, 1999, we're not happy with Congress because Congress did not renew the independent counsel law that had been renewed for the last four years. And so on the very next day after Congress decided not to renew it, the 
Department of Justice issued this massive, I forget how many pages it is, about 15-page regulation, essentially creating the Office of Special Counsel that would operate solely within the Department of Justice. So, in essence, what these lawyers did is they said, well, we don't like what you did, Congress, so we're going to create our own special counsel, make it accountable only to the Attorney General. They stripped out all of the uh, transparency provisions, the ethics provisions, the notification provisions, and they have their own little thing. And besides that, that's, that's scandalous enough. It's offensive to anyone who loves the Constitution, let me be frank. But even more interesting is the fact that all of the attorneys that were working for, at that time, President Clinton and Janet Reno, shockingly, are the same people that are pushing this special counsel right now as we speak, including Robert Mueller, um, Rod Rosenstein, Jim Chandler, you name it. Peter Strode. Same old suspects, always the same criminals doing the same kind of thing. It seems to me, from what you're saying, that they set this up in advance to make sure that it could, wouldn't could would have to go through any scrutiny with Congress, to make sure they always had it ready there to go into place, not for what I would think it was for. I thought the special counsel or an independent counsel was only there if there was a compromised White House or a compromised Department of Justice, which then couldn't investigate something properly because they had been right. compromised. Well, first off, uh, the Department of Justice is compromised, and they want to compromise the White House. So they're using this, in fact, as a way to attack the White House. I have understood that grand jury indictments usually always almost always you go down if you're called into a grand jury indictment you don't even get a lawyer present when they actually question you they can have a star witness that you don't get to question i've seen uh grand juries have a star witness that testified and then disappeared and the entire thing was based upon the testimony you have Mueller; he has leaked everything nothing has not been leaked and so well, the way I understood that there's supposed to be secrecy clauses in these things. So, Michael, uh, you guys do such a great job at Americans for Innovation. What do you think about this? I, I can tell that it kind of makes you sick to your stomach, but can we do anything about the Mueller investigation to stop it? As, as best I can tell from reading through all the research, this is an illegitimate action that's occurring right now because there, there, there's some basic problems in it. Um, some basic principles in ethics law that if you are participating in the creation of something, you then cannot benefit from it without at least disclosing your conflicts of interest to everyone involved. So Robert Mueller, well, all the players in, in the current special counsel action were in place working with Janet Reno in 1999 and Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. So that means they were all involved with the creation of these regulations. So even at that level, even if you said it was legitimate, even at that level, they should have all recused themselves because they were involved with the creation of the very law that they're benefiting from now. And they're actually getting paid. So they are actually getting financial payment for a law that they created. 
So at that level, it's it's unconscionable. But then you go deeper and you and you see that it makes no sense what Janet Reno did when you think about it, because the reason the independent council, as you said, was created was to deal in situations where there was a conflict between the Department of Justice and the White House. Well, the the um, uh, the fact that the Janet Reno and as Attorney General used the Justice Department to create this office makes no sense. Because how can the Department of Justice then investigate something where it has an inherent conflict? Because that's the reason that that, that regulation was created. It, I mean, it's just it's circular logic. It's an oxymoron. Plus, um, you pointed out that they get to spend $100 million a year on a special counsel once they get appointed. $100 million a year. Oh, but Jeff Sessions appointed one lawyer to look at the FISA uh, dossier uh, problems that they're having. He appointed one, uh, Christopher Ray appointed one FBI agent to work on uh, Imran Awan. But Michael Horowitz has 500 people in his IG staff. We have 45,000 people in the Department of Justice, but we needed to go out and get the most conflicted, most uh, the person who needed to recuse recuse himself from the beginning because he's Jim Comey's best friend. That would be Robert Mueller, who is also Rod Rosenstein's best friend and Andrew McCabe's best friend. I mean, it is shocking, right. as you say, that they didn't recuse themselves. But the, okay, so they didn't recuse themselves. They set this up to begin with, so it's already a setup against the White House. They've leaked everything that it has possibly they could possibly leak. They've only gotten some low-hanging fruit. They are entrapping people by simply uh, getting them uh, with a record that they didn't know existing and then asking them a question. For instance, Peter Strzok's 302, which was the interview that Michael Flynn had with him, didn't. there was actually no notes. There was nothing recorded at that time. So what we see here is Peter Strzok is then is in Mueller's investigation. How much more corrupt oh, could it be? The the uh, that it, that brings up a point. What we see are FBI uh, employees involved with this Department of Justice action, right? That has never been the case. The FBI is a separate group, never involved with these kinds of DOJ investigations as a party in the investigation itself. They may provide information. So uh, our researchers went back and we looked at all of the independent counsel laws all the way back to 1978. There is no involvement in any of those laws uh, that are no, no law, no participation by the FBI in any of those statutes. But in Janet Reno's new statute for the special counsel, they injected the involvement of the FBI in their actions. That's telling. Well, so, because that's who they are. They're FBI, they're DOJ. They keep switching seats back and forth like musical chairs. Then they go out and work for criminal uh, law firms. And then they come back and are allowed to spend $100 million on the third investigation on Russian collusion in the American presidential election. The third investigation... We, we were already told how many tens of millions of dollars have been spent on the two previous, and now we're told by your amazing uh, research and discovery here that they could spend $100 million a year, we were told. It's a little bit, 
it's a little bit more nuanced than that. The they claimed a bunch of exemptions to having to uh, uh, comply with transparency laws. There are various statutes across the uh, uh, the code that deal with the Department of Justice having to notify other agencies when uh, they want to make a major change in their procedures. Well, they claimed exemptions, and one of those exemptions was they had to report if their expenses were going to be more than $100 million a year, and they said, well, we're not going to be more than $100 million a year. So it was a, it was a nice nuance. Well, you know, th prices are going up, you know, and uh, when you pull the biggest lawyers from the most corrupt lawyer firm that I can think of, WilmerHale, international corruption, the only, I think the only group that I can think of in my mind right now that's more corrupt than WilmerHale is Fusion GPS, who we just found out, Oleg uh, Deripaski says that it's George Soros money behind Fusion GPS. I pointed that out. And as you pointed out, you know, Judge Leon has the power now to either release these things or not, but he's John Podesta's best friend. You, uh, the uh, Americans for uh, Innovation had already put out an article revealing right. these things. I don't know where where all those people that you work with come up with this stuff, but it is just shocking when you call us up and say, well, did you realize that there's really no law that governs the special counsel anymore? And we're like, what are you talking about? Of course, that's a law. They have to be following the law. This is the most, you know, they pull this out as their ultimate ace up the sleeve. And well, usually when they do, it's a foregone conclusion. What's going to happen? Let me, uh, maybe I can back up a bit because the, the, the most interesting part of this draft, uh, this Reno draft, uh, really highlights something we've talked about before about uh, in the area of uh, legal reform in that what we're seeing now are absolutely immoral actions by people that we put our trust in. And that reminded me of a quote, one of my favorite quotes from John Adams. He said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And what they've done here is, is something that most people don't realize. When Congress passes a law, they obviously don't deal with every little detail and every little nuance of how the law uh, might address this or that fact. So what they always do is they always give the agency that's going to enforce the law some latitude to create procedures that are consistent with the major statute, in other words, the spirit of the law. And, and that's across the board, and that makes sense, that's reasonable, that uh, you, know, you, you can't deal with every little detail. What, what I have noticed is, and, and this is a good example, is that when you give attorneys enough time, they are going to stretch that to its limit, and this one is stretched past the limit because they have essentially ignored the fact that Congress uh, let the uh, independent counsel law expire, and they just wrote their own. They wrote their own law. But in the process, what they did is they gutted even the principle. Even if we say, okay, fine, you can write your own, we still need something. What they did is they didn't even implement the principles that were in the last 40 years of, of independent, independent counsel laws, like the recusal clause. 
there's a very detailed recusal clause in the previous laws. They mentioned recusal twice in very vague terms. They did away with the need to audit their activities. They um, they did away with the need to report to uh, other uh, government agencies, uh, especially the government office of ethics. They said we don't, they basically didn't even, they took the wording out that had been there before that they have to report regularly to the government office of ethics and that's not even in this regulation. So they, they basically took advantage of the trust of the American people and I think this goes to Adams's point is that we can't have these kind of immoral people running our government because Adams said this constitution that we wrote can't be um, implemented by dishonest people, by immoral people, by irreligious people. And that's exactly what this is a perfect example of, and this is all public record. You're so right, and it's the lawlessness that came from Obama and Bush and Clinton's before them, and even back to Daddy Bush, where you actually have absolute contempt for what should be the respect of the law from the highest law enforcement agents in the country. So let's take Sally Yates, who tried to make sure that Inspector General Michael Horowitz had no control to look at the Mueller investigation, even though in December of 2016, after arguing with Obama back and forth, a, a new restatement of the powers of the Inspector General had to be uh, put forth and be... Um, voted on again and had to be approved so that the inspector general would be allowed to look at special counsel investigations as they were going on to see if there were any crimes going on. This would make a lot of sense seeing that to begin with, a special counsel is usually appointed because of some terrible conflict of interest or some terrible problem between the DOJ and as this case now, the FBI and the rest of the intelligence community. Yeah, but the, but the, the, the problem is the special counsel in this case is a DOJ creation. They're appointing to they're appointed to investigate their own conflict of interest. I mean, Precisely. it's just it's, it's scandalous. And Sally Yates wrote what a seventy-eight page response to Michael Horowitz saying, "No, I am not going to let you." look at the special counsel or anything that's going on in there. The fact that Bruce Orr, uh, Peter Strzok, and Lisa Page came to the surface because of Michael Horowitz coming across their wrongdoings was, in fact, somewhat uh, an accident. It was part of his uh, investigation into another thing. It wasn't the investigation. He wasn't allowed to investigate the Mueller uh, special counsel investigation. So I think it is amazing that they can... This is, a, this is a good example of, of how attorneys uh, nuance something like this because the, the regulations would have required the inspector general to be involved uh, to, uh, to investigate for transparency purposes and accountability purposes, things you and I as reasonable people would expect of our government. But after they wrote this procedure within the Department of Justice, they exempted themselves from having to have any accountability at all. Well, that's why a Mueller can come back in, knowing that he's got everything at stake because he's the one who delivered the yellow cake uranium to Putin himself in Russia under orders of Hillary Clinton. So uranium one, he's completely complicit in the entire crime for 10 years, in fact, 
of letting Russian spies come in and take over our uranium industry. And of course, the Clinton crimes, of course, they're complicit with all of these things. So he had to come in and he had to cover the tracks of Comey and himself and Rosenstein and Andrew McCabe. And so they knew that this special counsel would simply be a way to hide their trail, exonerate themselves, and continue to give political a confrontation to President Trump and hopefully wear him down so that they could even impeach him in the end. Because remember, the Mueller yes. investigation used to be called the operation to impeach or the investigation to impeach. And so, well, I encourage I encourage uh, the listeners to actually pull out that document, that Reno document, and uh, hold your nose and read the whole thing. Because I think one of the things you're going to find uh, uncanny is that even though this doc document was written in 1999, it is a spitting image of the procedures and the processes they're doing right now. All the way down to the recusal of the attorney general and the, uh, the, the assumption of the investigation by an assistant attorney general. Doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> well, you know, we've often said that if they would just arrest about 36 people in Washington, D.C., that it would, the rest would all crumble. And when people go to uh, Americans for Innovation to your crime line, uh, the corruptocrat crime line timeline, we have so many names for it. It's just amazing because these same people keep coming up so many times over and over and over and over again. Let's just hope that this is the time when they have revealed who they truly are and that they're going to go down. So we want to thank you and all your shareholders and all the investigators and all the legal counsel and all the people who put together this uh, timeline that people absolutely should take a look at uh, because you will not see anything like that anywhere on the internet, period. And we want to thank you, Michael, for always uh, coming out and being a spokesperson for Leader Technologies. And we just want to keep uh, flying the banner to say that if Donald Trump could take up the Miller Act for you, that we could actually see an end to so much of the corruption that we're seeing coming out of Silicon Valley. And remember, Mueller and Comey and McCabe and Rosenstein are also covering through the corruption of Silicon Valley, which directly impacts Leader Technologies and what it was that they stole from you. So we want to thank you again for always working with us as a spokesperson for them. And we want to thank you for the amazing research that you've brought forth today so that we could actually see a perspective of why it is that Mueller acts with absolute impunity and illegally in every way from the outside to the uh, casual observer. But on the inside, he continues to march forward as if there were no laws governing him.